It is episode 111. I am Michael Askins, architect and technologist, and this is IT Pro Tech Talks. In this episode, we have a recording from a post-Ignite event where we summarize some of the top takeaways for some of the team. Uh, and uh, it was a good event at Penn Brewery, a historical area in Pittsburgh. So uh, without further ado, on with the show. today. Uh, I'm Michelle McGough, in case I haven't met any of you, the CEO and President of the company. So uh, as you, most of you might know, um, we added a uh, Microsoft practice. He'll kill me for that because he doesn't like, they don't like being called the uh, Microsoft practice, but we cover all aspects of Microsoft and also the rest of our company. Um, they integrate really well to everything else we've been doing for the last 23 years. So it was a great addition. And today, we're going to go over a lot of the best things that came out of Microsoft Ignite, sort of the Reader's Digest version of all the good stuff. And again, uh, thank you for coming, and let's get on. All right, thank you, Michelle. So uh, those, I think I know everyone here, Michael Askins. Um, so I, let me switch places with you, Sophia. Swing around. So I hit on top of the Microsoft practice, which we refer to as the cloud data center and modern work team. I uh, just want to touch on some security stuff, but before we go there, I uh, wanted to kind of, you know, emphasize the fact that being a Microsoft partner is a little bit different now than the way it used to be. So you used to, back in the day, have a Microsoft partner that was gold, silver, you know, that typical partner model. It's now a Microsoft partner program. And so we got a lot of advantages being in that program and having competencies. And Justin, uh, his help here has greatly uh, skyrocketed our ability to, to get competencies um, with your billion tests you took recently, thank you. Yeah. Uh, but uh, it, it's more than, to be a partner now, it's more than just I passed a test and I checked a few boxes. It's I am involved with our customers, I am tagged in our customers' accounts, <coughs> Uh, we are working on behalf of you uh, in concert with Microsoft. So, you know, you'll hear us, uh, our messaging be a little bit different than it has been in the past as a Microsoft partner. It's not transactional. It's not just, hey, give us credit. It's we want to be an advocate with you on behalf of you for Microsoft. So just kind of wanted to emphasize that. And you're going to see some things coming out from our team. Uh, we're going to have a bunch of, we, I call them one cheaters, but essentially marketplace offerings. Uh, that are centered around things that you guys do every day. So uh, stay close to this, uh, follow us on all the socials and all the various aspects because you'll see some of these things being released uh, or talked to the sales team. Uh, so that being said, I'm gonna jump right into some of the things from Ignite. Uh, no presentation, kill you with a PowerPoint, so I'm just gonna run from some notes here. Um, one of the things I wanted to bring up was uh, Azure Sentinel from a scene perspective in Defender 365. Uh, that, that's a movement that's happening right now, which uh, Microsoft's not here, so I can say this. Five years ago, I never would have thought of Microsoft as a security offering or a security tool, or I would have never really taken it serious. Because uh, let's face it, it's, it was just like, check the box, we have Defender on our desktop, call it a day. Uh, they've come a long way to the point where insert quadrant upper right corner of whichever company, Forrester, IDC, Gartner, you name it, they are a leader. And the reason is through their mentality of zero trust, 
from their mentality of making sure that they are on point with products, security end to end, and including some level of security across all their SKUs. So those of you who've heard me ever speak before, I, I say this way too much, sales team will throw something at me. <laughs> One size does not fit all, and it does not fit all in your organization. So where you say, I have all E5, that's not necessarily the right choice to do. Sometimes it's having frontline worker licenses, sometimes it's some e combination of E3, E5. So having that blend gives you cost savings, but you're rest assured to know that you have that level of protection across all the different SKUs. And the, the announcement of Sentinel and Defender now sharing incidents, schema, it, it's really important to note that as things happen, some, some organizations don't wanna use Sentinel, they have their own scene. Sometimes things are in Defender, they share signals together now. So the Defender line is more robust than it ever has been. Uh, I say Defender line because we all know what happened about a year or two ago, they collapsed all of their security products underneath the Defender heading. And I'm sure you're gonna talk with some of that yeah, too, right? Old, yeah. yeah. One of the other things I wanted to bring out is uh, Defender for Endpoint and Microsoft Defender for Office 365. It now has the ability to remediate threats directly from the Defender portal. So if from a security perspective, if you sit on top of the Defender line, one of the things you'll notice is you have the ability to automate remediation. And, and that is critical. I just went through uh, a, a partner training for the new stuff that's coming out from Defender. And the one thing I wanna note is the old way of doing security and it being a problematic from a, I don't know where to go and find what I need, it centralizes all that. Now, if you're not a Defender shop or you're not a Sentinel shop, the tooling inside of Azure and the tooling in M365, you can pipe that stuff into your scene. And when it pipes into the scene, it's just not a log ship. It pipes it in with a metadata that authorized seams can break that down. So that's super critical. Uh, it's a path forward. Microsoft kind of took the stance of, let's take the time to make sure that we're integrating third parties and including, because they know that a lot of organizations are gonna not be end-to-end, -end, even though we'll always recommend that. Uh, one of the other things I wanted to bring up is, in if you're an IoT shop, and this is gonna be recorded for later, so if, if you're an IoT shop, uh, one of the things we wanted to do is uh, bring up what is new with IoT and Defender. So you have the ability now to have uh, secure core with, with uh, Defender and IoT. So secure core is super important. You can protect the kernel and you can protect the root of your system. So Microsoft makes IoT devices that have that built into it. Microsoft makes IoT devices that uh, kind of hang off the edge of having SQL and everything built on these little chips that sling this stuff outward. But what's, where the gap was is signaling and making sure that you know when something's bad in auto-remediation. So Defender for IoT actually sits on side, inside your network and you can do a port span and pump this all into Defender for IoT. So you're protecting the device as well as getting signaling to see when something's askew or something's plugged in that should not be into your IoT network. Now that being said, there's a lot of other products and combinations of products that work well. Cisco has some solutions too as well that are that does some of this really efficiently on the switch level. So it's a matter of, again, one size does not fit all. Maybe there's a combination of signaling and devices and piping that can get us where we need to go. So from a, from a Microsoft Sentinel perspective, that was the key things that came up from 
from what I saw uh, in talking to the security group and the security partners with Redmond, uh, these are the top messaging that you're gonna see as clients and customers of Microsoft. So if you subscribe to any of their newsletters or blogs, for the next 12 months, this is what you're gonna hear. Uh, what's, it, what's important coming out of that is, is that the cost for these kind of things are not as great as you would think. Um, Sentinel used to be, un, quite frankly, unbearable from a cost perspective for your average organization. It is now affordable for organizations from SMB all the way through enterprise. It's a matter of what you want to retain and what your, you know, your objectives are from a security posture. So if you want to have that conversation, we'd be more than happy to have that conversation. A couple more things before I talk yeah, to you. I'm good. So, um, yeah, this is the other one that's super huge and it kind of touches on some things you're gonna to touch on. Uh, so new data loss prevention support for Chrome browsers. Uh, your organization, uh, you have likely, I think, looking across the room, those in the room, those who were invited that are gonna get the video. Uh, DLP is important. Uh, with data loss prevention and putting the right policies in place keeps exfiltration of sensitive data. It protects your, your users and your customers, social security numbers, banking, routing, if it's deployed in a proper way, it's, it's an invaluable resource. You, you cannot put a price tag on a breach. So what's important now is like the biggest thing, the biggest hook has always been from Microsoft, in order to take advantage of these, these tools and services, you gotta be using Edge or IE way back in the day. So a lot of, a lot of people are just kind of like, mm. personally, uh, Mr. Devlin over there who's on our team, kind of got me thinking about using Edge. He says, I use, I use Edge for everything. I took a run at it, I love it. But I still default back to Chrome because I'm used to mashing that color wheel. Well, the good thing is, is, is Chromium and Chrome browsers now support a lot of this. So if you're interfacing uh, with, with documents and data, it's gonna actually be supported on Chromium browsers, which with your policies and the way you get your policies out to your end users is very critical. You give your users options instead of crippling them with solutions that are like, oh yeah, you need this app in IE, legacy IE, this app in Edge, and oh yeah, you can do your other browsing in Chrome, you can tell your users, pick your browser, except Safari. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, one of the other ones I wanted to bring up was, um, and this is a conversation that we have all the time about handling uh, devices and users and trusted users and passwordless. So the, one of the announcements from an identity perspective is passwordless authentication uh, with Microsoft Azure Active Directory. So if you have a zero trust or do hybrid work, is, passwordless is a thing now, right? So people, we have this argument all the time. When I say argument, I truly mean it. It's an argument because, okay, I have a password, I have MFA, I'm secure. Okay, I have a FIDO key, I have my MFA, or I have my face. It's like, Try to hack my face, go ahead, you know, good luck with you. Uh, I feel sorry for you, but good luck for you. You know, it's one of those things where the movement to enable users to seamlessly get to apps with trusted devices um, and trusted identities with a zero trust mentality is fully supported in Azure Active Directory now across the whole stack of Azure. You can extend this to your apps that you build on your own. You can extend this to Microsoft services uh, so when we start thinking about identity and access, let's think about how are we gonna enable and encourage our users to do the right thing. We either have to have their behaviors changed or we have to use a stick 
and maybe force password changes and swing the stick now and again when people do the wrong thing. So how about we just abstract that and we just say, okay, trusted device, trusted user, trusted face, trusted MFA token, however you want to configure it. That was one of the other things that were really big. And you're going to hear more and more about passwordless. Google has a big push towards passwordless. If you're in the GCP platform, uh, they will support full passwordless. They do some sort of passwordless, but they're going to have full password support within the next uh, 48 months. So it's something that as these larger providers start pushing out there, you're going to see your computing population getting more agitated with the way you operate in your business. So the question is, is do we help support some of these newer authentication methods or do we step away from them and we go a little bit down a different path and say, let's enable users or enable our customers uh, with a password list. So from a security perspective and an Azure perspective, they were the key highlights that I wanted to touch on. There is a bunch more of, uh, of, of topics that were a little lower hanging that uh, I believe Carrie is gonna curate these in all the presentations that we have from a PowerPoint perspective. Uh, we'll email them to you or give you a link for you to pull those down. Uh, also, we're, as I mentioned earlier, making a recording of this and we also, Solutions for Network sponsors uh, the podcast we have. So we're gonna talk about each one of these topics and we're gonna have Justin and Mike Devlin, um, I never call you Mike, I don't know why I did that. Uh, we're gonna have Dev uh, on to talk about this at further. So uh, I'm gonna turn it over to Justin here to talk about some of the stuff in uh, Microsoft 365, which I know a good lot of those in person have a great interest on. So Justin? Thank you, sir. So for those that I have not met, uh, Justin Architects at Solutions for Networks in the modern workspace. So everything that I focus on is SharePoint, Teams, Viva, uh, security when it comes to modern work, et cetera. Uh, he mentioned one thing I want to call out. He mentioned around Microsoft Information Protection. Another useful call out, I think, just to call out, to bring up for that is that now from an Adobe perspective, if you are an organization that is leveraging Adobe Cloud, all of those PDF documents are now fully supported in Microsoft Information Protection as well. That's a new change that for a while, I've had many customers that, okay, MIP is great, this information protection is great, but I can't really protect all of my data and most importantly, the data that I'm PDFing that's like secure, signed stuff. So now that is a change, which is nice, especially in tandem with a couple other features that are coming from and I'll talk about from a workflow perspective that just allow you to manage process of like sign app, like sign documents, whether it be for contracts, whether it be for approvals or whatever, um, makes it a little bit easier. But for Teams, obviously in Modern Work, Teams is really important, right? Uh, there's a lot of changes that came down the pipe for Teams. First, Excel Live, so I don't know if you if you saw that. Uh, I know as a consultant, it's really nice, especially doing requirements gathering or working Excel sheets. Now when you're in a Teams meeting, kind of like if you're co-authoring an Award document just on your, on your desktop, you can co-edit the Excel sheet from the Teams meeting. So it's not like you're editing the, the Excel sheet from the Excel application, you're actually editing the file within the Teams meeting of the other person's file, which is crazy in some ways, uh, or a lot of ways, I guess, but it's just nice for like, for example, from my side, in my experience, I do a lot of requirements gathering and we'll do that in an Excel sheet for like requirements matrix. And it's nice to have multiple people being able to type in or add input to Excel file at the same time. Um, kind of tied in with that and within like the more modern work, more like end user type features, they've now implemented scheduled send or delayed send. 
Uh, there used to be an app that you could do this, a third-party app through Teams, where you could basically say, hey, kind of like an Outlook, I want to send this message, let's say, like tomorrow morning, say, because I'm, for some reason, I'm late up at like 2 a.m., and I don't want to send that email to a person at that time. Well, now you can do that, but also in Teams, so if you want to send a message later, just write it out, and then you can schedule the time it's going. Uh, another kind of good thing that you kind of, I guess, would do a lot with Excel as well, you can also do live annotations on a Teams meeting now. So before, you'd have to have used something like Microsoft Whiteboard and like share that, and then people would like annotate on the whiteboard for it to show up. But now, you can actually, any, pretty much anything you share through a Microsoft Teams meeting, you can have, you, like the other people that aren't presenting can annotate and take notes and like draw on top of that, which just allows for overall a more like collaborative experience. Um, additionally, from a devices perspective for Teams, uh, I know Jeff will be a big fan of this. A large set of Cisco devices are now fully supported from the Microsoft side for Microsoft Teams rooms and a couple of phones, I believe, as well. Um, there's uh, also on that front, there's a new device called the Presenter Plus, which is basically this presentation, uh, let's say presentation fob on steroids, I guess. So what you can do with that, um, skip slides, whatever. Um, you can mute, unmute in a Teams meeting. What's really nice about that is you can point it to a part of a screen when you're like presenting in a Teams meeting, and it'll actually zoom that part of your screen that you're sharing for everyone that's watching that. So like as a presenter, if we were presenting this here and we had people on the conference call, if I pointed to a part of the, the screen, it would actually, in the Teams meeting, focus the screen to that part of the screen, which again, is just cool, especially if you're doing instructional-based stuff. Um, but a consulting perspective, it's really nice, uh, especially. And to touch on that, that endpoint, that endpoint item, Cisco announced, they, they've announced it for about the last year, but they get endpoint for next year here now. All of the new mm. video conferencing headsets, all of the new uh, video cameras, they'll actually basically support when you're on YouTube. They'll support WebEx, they'll support Microsoft Teams, they'll support some other things too, and basically it's just like one, it's been a lot more complicated in the past with those Cisco's really taken a step back and said, hey, we don't need to just provide WebEx connectivity. Everybody, large organizations have multiple conferencing solutions for different purposes. They're trying to make it simple regardless of what provider you're using so that it's one place. So it's just something to keep in mind yeah. uh, in general with that new generation of video and things like that. Good point, honestly. As, as one of our main Cisco SMEs, definitely can say that a lot better than I can. But yeah, it's, it's, it's nice because not even from like that layer of device perspective, but also on the like the end user perspective for like headsets and items like that. Microsoft, I think, has realized that they were missing the mark on making that all like consistently performant. Like there's so many different devices. I know when, especially when Teams first came out, that like compatibility was not great. So they're definitely across the board making that better, um, which is nice. I know additionally, one thing, anyone that's using Teams to keep your mind, if you don't know this already, uh, they are changing how Teams looks, so that's going to be coming. So if you have, are supporting end users, just prepare for questions uh, because it's, it's going to change. It's no longer just going to be a feed of messages. It's going to look kind of like what a SharePoint page looks like in a way with like chat below it. So like you'll have a channel and at the top of the channel you can have like pin documents but then also like a heading and some like description and stuff like that and then below that all the chat. So from an admin perspective and a tech perspective, it's not really changing or adding much feature, but 
knowing end users, just prepare to probably have questions about that, or this is changing, this is looking different. Um, some things in there as well that are, I guess, positives that I like, they're small. Uh, now if you're in a, like a group chat, if you at someone that isn't in that group chat, it'll automatically add them to the group chat, so kind of how Outlook works where if you tag someone and it puts them into the CC, that now works with Teams, which is super nice. Um, I have a couple others in here. Uh, oh, not a big thing, but now you can do more than just give a thumbs up, a smiley face, a laugh, and a heart. You can <laughs> react with all the emojis, because that's a great ad. Uh, but that's there, uh, and that's really from a modern work perspective. There's obviously a lot more, but the focus has been now that we're in this like hybrid, remote, not remote, but fully remote, sometimes hybrid, completely like non-synchronous work environments, especially in many different organizations, Microsoft is really investing in making like tasks, approvals, and like process just more fluid. Because I think they've recognized that from a modern work perspective, when you have people working at different hours, at different times, and like aren't necessarily in front of people, you need a system that is able to like track that, track that effectively, but also present that to your end users in a way that's not overwhelming and like takes more time than it actually is to automate, et cetera, et cetera. So Microsoft has been investing a lot in that. They've also been investing a lot in security. You'll notice that Viva, or on the security side, you have, and you mentioned, there's like six different products now, specifically out of like Priva, Entra, uh, Defender, list goes on and on. And they're, it's, it's the, and so what they're doing is splitting out licensing, so that's gonna be one thing to keep in mind is what I've noticed is that either preview features or the like more intelligent or higher level features are being split into more premium SKUs. You'll see this with Teams. Teams has and now has a premium SKU. Uh, so you can pay, and it, right now the rumors, it's an additional $10 a month on top of your normal licensing that you're getting through Teams, where you can get like the automatic live captions, you can get the automatic, uh, like if you're at the end of a meeting, it because it has the, trans the, the captions and stuff, it will auto put like what the action items were, or I'll try to capture action items for the meeting and say, hey, you had this meeting where you said, okay, I'll do that by Thursday. And it will say, do this by Thursday, where it'll automatically add it into like Viva Insights. So there's a lot of that stuff, but that's just again trying to meet that end user. Um, for Viva, again, kind of like Microsoft Teams adding a SKU and all the security products adding SKUs, Viva is now also a bunch of different applications. So if you're not familiar with Viva, Viva is like Microsoft's attempt to do like modern work, but starting from scratch from the experience first. So like you say modern work in Microsoft, you're gonna think team, SharePoint, collaboration type stuff. Viva is more focused on that end user. So you have historically something called like Viva Insights, which used to be called My Analytics, which used to be called Delve. Basically all that does is measure, um, again, seeing, helping you do schedule focus time, helping you schedule one-on-ones, helping you measure, like, again, insights based off of your workday. Doesn't add too much, but there's a bunch of other Viva products. So Viva Connections is essentially a intranet platform that allows you to deploy your SharePoint intranet into Microsoft Teams. There's Viva Goals, which is new, which allows you to define organizational goals and then team goals and then user employee goals and like connect them together, integrate them with tasks, with approvals and SharePoint and all of that. So that's out there. 
Uh, there's but, learning. Can I add on to that? Yeah. So, so Viva Insights is annoyingly keeps you on task. Annoyingly, uh, I get every day. You told Michelle McGough that you would send her an intro paragraph for this customer deck, and I didn't do it yet. And it's like yells at me before she. I don't get many of those notifications. I get them all the time. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See, uh, so it, there there is value there uh, in in looking at that. And if you have like a a, a chief person office officer at your company, you know they're the one you want to get with. How, how you want to work and mm. how your teams want to work, and have the conversation around what do we want to do to enable? Because you're, as, as Justin was saying, there's more and more things. Vivo used to be, hey, let's just make this happy hybrid. We're going to work together. World. To now, the stuff's coming out with Viva of like for sales team members giving insights into their communications with their customers and how successful they've been. Or if you're uh, like in manufacturing, what are you doing to churn out your, your quotas? And it, it ties together with finance and production and your daily worker. So it's trying to get that, not blur the lines of work balance, mental health, everything's all good. It's trying to give you curated experiences for both your work experience and your productivity experience. So it's pretty cool stuff. Yeah. And that, honestly, that's, that's pretty much all I had. Um, do you have any other closing thoughts? Yeah, I have a couple other things I just want to bring up before we, we close out. So those organizations are looking to, to move to the cloud or already in the cloud. And I always call it rolling up your sleeves and sharpening your pencils. Uh, there's a lot of things that are have changed with, with cloud and going from IaaS to PaaS. Uh, the SKUs are getting cheaper and cheaper. Uh, we hear but split up more and more. And split up more and more. Um, there's a lot of things that people don't know. So. One of the things is Defender for Cloud. If you're in Azure, you're going to get Defender. Like I said, you get different tiers, right? You're going to get Defender for Cloud. And if you want to be able to sign off on how secure and get against benchmarks and how secure you are, that comes native with Defender for Cloud. There's a little configuration that you need to do and then work with your friendly neighborhood consulting company to find out if it applies to you or not. And then you can get a good benchmark. These benchmarks from the initial, I just got the, the, the free Defender for Cloud, is against the Microsoft Security Cloud baseline. There are other benchmarks. So if you need to be compliant with European laws or German laws or United States, HIPAA, you can actually subscribe uh, to whichever resources you want to have that applied against. And typically, it's pennies on a dollar usually to be able to apply those benchmarks so that you can get that set up and say <coughs> yearly, quarterly, whatever you want to do your reviews on, you're able to push that button and get that report. Your teams that are going to be out there working on making sure that your, your IaaS or your SQL servers are hardened, you've got that information coming to your CISO. You've got that information coming to your head of ops so that you know exactly what to do to remediate. And the super cool stuff, and I actually, get goosebumps over this, is it's truly push button remediation for 80% of the things. Security is top of mind for Microsoft, and they are trying to make it as seamless and painless as possible. The challenge is, is us evangelizing and getting you know, those things for you in line in order so it becomes that push button. <coughs> One of the other things I wanted to bring up, um, I can go on for days, and I won't do that. Um, but one of the other things that's super cool is that 
containers aren't going anywhere. As I mentioned, organizations are starting to you know, want to do more in the cloud. Uh, the economy, whichever way it's going, is unknown, so people want to redact and not spend as much. But not spending on cloud is not the answer. Spending smart in the cloud is the answer. And there's answers like factoring to containers, making scalable, burstable things. And one of the, it, again, this is a Microsoft-centric event, but there's nothing else like this out there right now. Palo Alto has a SKU for a firewall inside of containers that can run in Azure. So where containers may have not been an option because you're in a protected industry, healthcare, finance, and banking, because of the complexity and cost to build out web application firewalls, proxies, you can collapse all of that down into a single cloud-enabled firewall, which is super cool. So if anybody wants to know about that, talk to myself or Frank, uh, we'll figure that out. Uh, Frank's not here, but for those on the, for those on the video. Um, so thank you all, uh, thank you all for watching too. Um, anything else? That's all I have. Michelle, do you have anything else you want to add? So, um, you know, again, thank you for the business that uh, you, you uh, give to our team. Uh, two things worth mentioning is we've been doing a lot of benefits assessments because you don't know what you don't know as far as what you have as far as your licenses are concerned and what you can utilize that maybe you're paying for other vendors right now that you could be covering with your existing Microsoft licenses or maybe up a couple of them so you can take advantage of some of the things you have. And the same with security assessments. We've seen it a lot in the last six months. Again, you don't know what you don't know as far as security is concerned. There's lots of things you can do with Microsoft Security now that you couldn't even do a year ago that are pretty compelling. And I, he's sick of me telling this story. Our little company went from using Proofpoint for something to Microsoft. We save 17000 a year. So look at it from your companies, which are a lot bigger than ours, and do the math. So definitely something to look at as well. And it's actually, well, we got enhanced uh, features by moving to the Microsoft SKU. Um, and it was one of those things where, you know, it just made sense from a business is if we can actually, you know, look at, we, we call it cost benefit realization or, you know, as assessments. We can actually look and scalpel out. And the other thing too is if it's not a fit for your organization, you're going to hear it from us. Like certain things are not a fit for certain organizations. And we're going to say, that's not for you. Maybe a different third party is. Um, you know, sometimes an Azure firewall in Azure is brilliant. Other times, not so much. So other times you want a Palo or a Cisco out there. So depending on your use cases and what you want to do, uh, that's what you're going to hear from us. And uh, I, to echo Michelle, thank you all for coming and just appreciate you guys as customers. All right. Pretzel time. Cheers. <laughs>